As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we're the best there is at what we do, and what we do ain't pretty. Except maybe when Ashley does that ballet and the, the feng shui stuff that Steve is doing in the yard. So mostly, mostly not pretty. Uh, regardless, we've got the skinny on a possible Nightwing flick. A look at the comic. We dive head first into the Wolverine story to end all Wolverine stories. But is that a good thing? You only know if you listen. Through. So grab a beverage, find a comfy spot, and let's get with the nerdery kids. Because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 718 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this podcast with a friend. And thank you, everyone, who goes out and spreads a good word. I, I love seeing everyone uh, suggest the Major Spoilers Podcast to their other Twitter friends or on Facebook. It's uh, it's nice to see so many of you going out there to spread the good word about Major Spoilers. Um, also spreading the good word this week are Ashley Robinson. Yes. Matthew Peterson and Rodrigo Lopez all here. So glad that everyone can be in the house tonight. She gets to talk. We just have to sit and look cool. Well, I don't know That's about that. That's what we that. call female privilege. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Let I don't know if you realize that the news. only other male I talk to is these two and the cat. <laughs> There's a Nightwing movie on the way. We saw a Weapon H teaser, and the first trailer for Will Smith's Bright series has arrived. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where it lands. According to Warner Brothers, there's a Nightwing movie in the works. Nice. Um, well, is it? Uh, we know that the person who wrote the accountant movie has been hired to write the Nightwing movie. And uh, the accountant, I don't know if you guys saw that. It's, I uh, did. It's a fair movie at best. What's that, a Ben Affleck thing? It is a Ben Affleck thing. Yeah. Where he was all like, I'm an accountant. Oh, he's like Batman, but autistic and with guns. Yes, that would uh, be so autistic good. Batman with guns. That is a perfect example of what the account is, or perfect explanation. I super so. liked that movie. Sorry, Steve. Did you like it? I mean, it was okay. I really did. The, I will I just, say. I just wanted it to be like Ben Affleck with guns, and that's really, and he, then he punches the Punisher in the face, and like, that, yeah. that's all it is. I did, I, like really the, it. I did like the surprise ending with uh, yeah. the voice. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. And, you know, honestly. I would sit through a, a second movie of that if it came out, but the accountant was not a world changing, earth shattering um, movie. It was fair. No, it's, I mean, no. Uh, hired to direct the movie right now is uh, Chris McKay, the man behind the Lego Batman movie. Uh, so we've got a director and a writer on board. I oh. guess the question that I have right now, and I've asked this a couple of times to a bunch of different people. Do we get a Nightwing movie without a Robin first? Oh, yes. Y yeah, I'd say, <laughs> I would say almost certainly. And how do we approach Any that? Do we have a whole flashback sequence of how Nightwing became Robin and the death of the parents on the trapeze and then him throwing the Robin costume in the trash can and says, that's the end of Robin. From now on, I shall be known as Nightwing. Well, I, I will say that. Origin. Uh, we're we're all assuming that this is Dick Grayson, which is a That's, safe guess. The mm -hmm. only Robin we have confirmed in this DC extended universe is Jason Todd. Right. 
So this just might be a complete reimagining. It might be Jason Todd as Nightwing. We might be like, be dealing with only one Robin in Batman's continuity. Well, Jason Todd has been Nightwing before. Mm-hmm. A couple of times, actually. I would say that more than likely what we're going to get is a movie that uh, vaguely references Batman continuity, but has a whole new origin and a whole new raison d'etre. However, one pronounces. That. I would be totally okay <laughs> if it was a whole new origin story, and he had no connection to Batman whatsoever. Because oh, I think I think I think he's going to tie it about it. <laughs> the only I reason so. I say that is because, um, you know, Nightwing is a, is an homage to Superman. It's a it's a nod to Superman, right? Isn't that why Dick chose the Nightwing title? Well. The like name. Night, night, the Nightwing is a is a Kryptonian character, and then Superman gives Nightwing that name. Mm. New, Tales of the New Teen Titans number forty four from nineteen eighty four, the first appearance of Nightwing. Dick overtly references that he heard Superman once say the name, and that's why he called himself Nightwing. This is why you have me on the show. But more importantly, I think that nobody. And I mean nobody in the year 2017 besides uh, maybe you, me, Mark Wade, and Kurt Busick actually remember these Silver Age stories as happening. And I don't think that they're going to have any input on a movie. I think that I'd love to see this as them overtly saying, look, it's a grown-up Robin, you guys. But the problem with that is that same problem that you know DC Editorial seems to have with it is that he can't be Batman. So he has to be in that in-between phase of grown-up Robin, but not quite Batman. And I think that you're going to run into that if they make a movie that is just grown-up Robin. I, your people are going to be asking, why isn't he? Why isn't he Batman now? If he's all grown up, Rodrigo, I've got a question for you. You've been you've been silent so far. Uh, uh-huh. Bat- Batman in the current DC cinematic universe is dark and gritty, and he fights with everybody. And mm-hmm. he screams out Martha at really inappropriate times. Martha. Um, it sure would be nice if we had a Batman that was a little less intense. And mm-hmm. anytime that we've seen Dick's uh, Robin, Nightwing, whatever we, we want to call him, he's always a lighter, happier version of Batman. Could this be? The an- it could. Yeah. He's he's not the dark brooding. He is not a dark brooding character like Batman. He is a more happy go lucky character. Isn't Which this is char- a character who was like happy. based out of a place called Bloodhaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went to By Bloodhaven and come there. Gotham City. Yeah, he's he's no Spider Man, but I, I I will support Stephen on on saying that he is more upbeat Likeable. and more bright and more dayside. Yeah, I, I um, don't know. I mean, I think. The DC movies have really, really committed to this like sepia tones that have been burnt on a charcoal grill kind of look <laughs> and and kind of feel. Um, so anything that deviates too much from that is not going to feel connected, right? Um, my guess is we're going to get a similar situation to Suicide Squad where... They're just going to be like, okay, so in order for this character to work, there has to be all of this stuff that really should have happened in other movies. So we're just going to give you a quick tour of what it was like, right? It's like the Joker and he's a bad person and also uh, some chemicals and uh, degree. And now it's Harley Quinn. So we're going to get something similar with Nightwing, I'm guessing. Like we're just going to cut right to him, like punching things. And then it's going to be like, I remember being Robin. Two minutes of <laughs> I remember being Robin. And then we'll just going to move on. Record scratch. I suppose you're wondering how I got in this situation. So you, you don't see this. Uh, you, you just see this being a, basically a carbon copy of Batman then. Um, as far, I mean, they're probably going to do different things with fight choreographies and things like that. But I really don't see them doing anything too different. Like, it would be nice if they did. They could do college Batman, basically. They could do um, first time out on my own Batman, you know, that kind of thing. But my guess is, is we're going to get like, because 
what they're going to look at is this guy who hangs out in alleys, punches people, and has huge daddy issues. Like, <laughs> we're just going to get Batman again. Yeah. Ashley, you think, I mean, this is... you think we're going to get something different or the same old, same old? Um, I think that given the fact that we got Batman's origin in about three-minute title sequence, that we will likely get Nightwing's origin in a more compressed version. It's basically the same as Batman's, but with less shooting and more cutting of ropes. Um, I do think it's going to be told more in a quick, silent flashback than in a really narrative kind of joint. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that we get to focus more on the physicality with him because if they can cast an actor who has really great dance or martial arts training, uh, then we could do like what they do in arrow with Stephen Amell and you could see the actual actor doing the stunts. And that is the kind of thing that even though it's the same kind of storytelling that you're used to seeing in a Batman movie could really set Nightwing aside from what we've already seen from Ben Affleck. Who, who's going to be Nightwing? Somebody Matt who's Bomber. not 45. See, Matt Bomer is 45. You cannot have a 45-year-old Robin with a 45-year-old Batman. <laughs> um, someone like Ryan Potter is probably going to be the person who gets it. Um, Ryan Potter is like 23. Uh, he was the voice of, um, I can't remember the name of the little boy, uh, Hero in Big Hero 6, the, oh, the yeah, little yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, um, yep. And he, cut, he got together that reel of him doing martial arts mm -hmm. because he wants to play Robin. Um, someone a little older than him who I believe is of Korean descent is an actor named Harry Shum. Uh, he's Harry Shum Jr. He's a dancer who was on Glee and he is one of the stars of the new Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon joint that's on Netflix. So he has experience doing martial arts and wushu style martial arts as well. Um, you're, it's going to be somebody like that who moves well and is probably an unknown and can make their name being yeah. Nightwing because with the exception of Ben Affleck, I mean, Henry Cavill was around, like I knew him from the Tudors, but Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot have made their careers playing these two characters. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be, yeah, probably someone um, about between 28 and 30 who moves well. Andrew Ryan Potter Garfield does, Ryan Potter kind of, Potter kind of looks uh, good. Um, yeah. And, uh, you might be too young though, because I mean, if you have a forty-five-year-old Batman, yeah, you might want if you want if you want to say it, it right. It depends on how long you wanted to have been Nightwing for. Has he been Nightwing for? Uh, has he been Robin for one year? Was he Robin for five years? Has he been Nightwing for one year? How long was mm -hmm. Jason Robin? You know, like it depends on you know how much of a stickler for the family continuity you want him. But I'm assuming if Jason is the second Robin, then Dick has to be thirty-ish. <laughs> Well, that's true. I mean, that's... we're already we've already seen that stuff uh, in the movies. So, in order for that to fit, that actually gives you a much wider uh, amount yeah. of time, and you can have like, say, a Chris O'Donnell situation where he's like four years younger than his Batman. Seth Rollins yeah. is available. I think Seth Rollins would make an excellent Nightwing. Although, if he shaves his beard, he'll look like he's eight. I, I think actually, I think uh, a Nightwing that is super flexible is going mm -hmm. to be key for this. <laughs> I think so. I think I think I we're think assuming that this is going to bear any resemblance to Nightwing as we know it. I mean, this is a universe where Superman kills people and resents humanity well, and for making him do his job. I mean, if you think about it, the the Batman from. Uh, Batman v Superman um, doesn't fight like most Batmans we've seen so mm -hmm, far, right? Mm -hmm. He has this like exploding out of the ground move that he likes to do. Um, so, so you know, they could they could be like, okay, what? Like, you would hope, right, that um, the people that are involved in this movie are going to be like, what can we do with Nightwing that we can't do with Batman, that we can't do with Superman, that we can't do with all these other characters? Um, and that would be that those acrobatics, that flexibility, all that stuff. Um, but you're also going to have voices in there that are like, what's cool right now? And what's cool right now might be that like, um, you know, punching a guy into a wall and then punching another guy into that guy back into the wall. You know, that kind of thing that that like hyper violent, um, like scenery based stuff. Um, which, you know, you could tone to a Nightwing, but who knows? 
Um, I'm kicking a hallway. Possibly. Um, my guess is we are not going to see this movie before 2020. But I nah. wonder with I wonder with all the problems that the Flash is having right now. I don't know if they did they find a new director for the Flash. They haven't uh, said. Uh, I, I wonder with all the problems that it's having and now the weird teeter totter that's going on with the Batman movie. I could see this being bumped up a, a little sooner than that, but if they're just starting on this, I, I'm looking at 2020. Ashley, you said no. Oh no, I think I think 2020 is a reasonable choice. Um, I think it's going to depend on. I have two theories, and they're only theories on why we are getting this Nightwing announcement right now. And one of those theories is that Nightwing has a cameo in Justice League, mm. and Nightwing is already cast. I see. Um, and that is why we are uh, getting the announcement that we're getting a movie right, you know, r- yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if if that's the case. I don't necessarily know if he'll be in the suit. Um. Nightwing, especially in his Chuck Dixon run, was a cop. And we know that Commissioner Gordon is a big part of this Justice League movie. So we might see Officer Grayson. We might have a phone call to him. Um, If that's the case, I think then we might have a Nightwing movie a little earlier than that. And uh, your assertion of slotting it into the Flash slot, I think, is really interesting. um, Because they're... I mean, the way they do Barry Allen now, which is really Wally West from the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, The character types are are very similar. And... Mm -hmm. If you're going to cast him the way he traditionally looks in the comics, white, dark hair, blue eyes, handsome, he looks kind of the same as Ezra Miller looks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, swapping them out, you know, might fool someone. But if that is not the case, then I think, yeah, 2020 might be the earliest we're going to see Nightly. There's just so much that's got to happen before that. They're going to CGI all the flash scenes into Nightwing because of the bad buzz. And still I don't know, though, keep like, Ezra Pound in the role. That's Night- oh, Ezra Pound. Oh, my God. Um, Nightwing has to have incredible um, assets. And I don't know if uh, Mr. Ezra Miller can pull <laughs> I, that I off. I see what you did there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> see, I don't know, man. Physical typing <laughs> is problematic. No, I agree with you. I, I believe that in the comics that is 100% true. And I think that that's something that they absolutely need to keep going. Because, I mean, the man for 45 years wore little green booties, but. God bless. I, let me ask you a question, because I did not read the series. Was um, Grayson agent of shade or whatever he Spiral. was? Spiral. Spiral. Was that a big deal? What do you it's mean by so, a big deal? I mean, it's, was it a really uh, super popular series? Because it seemed like when everything else was crumbling, I mean, DC was, was still pumping volumes. out that. <laughs> yeah, they were still pumping out that series. It was a uh, bat book. I mean. Right, and, and it had he knows Tom how to King, sell a bad book. It had Tom King and Tim Seeley on it, um, who are great writers. Whether or not the assertion of the series is totally your bag, what if so? It's solid, but it's not a Nightwing story. Yeah, I'm just wondering if they would do something like that, where it's Nightwing, secret agent, James Bond guy. I hope not. That wouldn't be bad. I mean, there are worse things they could do with Nightwing. They could turn him into Spider-Man for one. Would Would you rather see the first arc of what was it? Welcome to Bloodhaven or um, Bloodhaven's Night or whatever it was. Would you rather see that arc or would you rather see um, Secret Agent Spider-Man? I'd rather <laughs> see something entirely new because we're we're literally at a point where if you keep strip mining the comics at the rate they're going, there won't be any comics left to strip mine. They're going to have to start making stuff up. You might as well do it here. Well, who are we to judge? Just remember, Suicide Squad is now an Academy Award winning film. (laughs) Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and check out these stories and a whole lot more. And if you are a VIP or a Patreon member, you can check out our discussion about Weapon H, whatever that is, over at uh, as one of your bonus benefits at uh, the VIP site or at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We love seeing more and more people sign up for that every day. It all goes right back into the growth of major spoilers and everything that we do. Yay. Yay, Exactly. Uh, Let us do some reviews. I think everybody is doing, let's see, Ashley was a green arrow last week or is that this week? I thought, 
it was this week. Okay, so it looks like everybody. I read doing it early, something. so I don't know. Yeah, okay. Mine's from last week. Okay, so we'll start with Matthew first. Last week, Future Quest number ten from DC Comics. Future Quest number ten. One. Hang on, I have to lean in. I don't want to knock my microphone out of. The Can you hear me at this time? Yes. Yes. All right. Written by Jeff Parker, art by Ron Randall. You remember Ron Randall from last week, ladles and jelly spoons. So here's the deal. And I have to I have to say this before every future quest review anywhere ever. Uh, I grew up watching these cartoons. And I watched them as recently as the last time they were on Boomerang, which was actually four or five years ago. So I love everything HB uh, animated crap from the 60s simply because they're weird and they're fun and they're awesome and they're kind of stupid. This series has taken all of that and kind of erased the kind of stupid and added a different sort of kind of stupid, which I think we'll get to in a moment, but it's the kind of stupid that's a fun kind of stupid, such as the first panel of this issue featuring Frankenstein Jr., a giant robot, being punched in the face by Igu, the giant rock ape. Awesome. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, At the end of last issue, the giant alien Omnicron has started feeding on the Earth, and... Somehow, the Herculoids are brought to Earth for backup, but they misunderstand what's happening, and they immediately attack Frankenstein Jr. and nearly kill Johnny Quest, uh, Blip the Monkey, Haji, and uh, Buzz Conroy. And if you know who all those people are, great. You can be my friend. Most of this issue is build up to what I'm afraid is going to be a final climactic scablamicus. I believe this is a 12-issue series. I have not heard any confirmation, but I can't find any solicits past number 12, and it's making me sad. So in this issue, we learn several important bits of information. We finally learn how the Omnicron works. We finally see that there are heroes among our group who are immune to its effect. It's almost as though it's impossible he said, hinting broadly. And then you get to a point where everybody's trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What are, how, how are we going to hudaba, hamala, hamana? And you get this beautiful moment where suddenly, and you can hear the thing go in your head, Space Ghost turns off his inviso and says, I apologize. If it seems like I'm spying on you, it's because I am. And it gives this group what they need, and what they need is a field general. And so by the end of this issue, there's almost sort of kind of a plan for all of the heroes to come together, your space ghost and your Herculoids and your Birdman and your mighty Mitor. Actually, both Mitors show up in this issue, strangely enough. I'll, I'll talk about that later. But... Here's the thing about this book. I have yet to be disappointed by even the weakest issue of this book. This one is building up to something big, and it does it in a way that's full of character and full of bizarre interactions and still has the impossibles running around being like, yuck, we're kind of idiots, which I do love. I love goofy teen superheroes who in the midst of a giant end of the world situation are still goofy teen superheroes that, I mean, that makes me very, very happy four and a half slices of meatloaf for future quest. Number 10 from uh, DC Hanna-Barbera DC WBHB TV uh, property book. How there, but yeah, go read it. You'll like it. And if you don't like it, well, you have my personal guarantee that if you tear it in half, you get to keep both halves. Uh, last week, Matthew, uh, Jeff Parker, who's the writer of the series, said, hey, Future Quest is not biting the dust after issue 12. That's when our big event story ends. There's news coming. Patience, please. Patience, please. So I'm again, bad at Within the next three weeks, we will know. So there That's you go. It. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, you've got a brand new book for us this week. Yeah, it is Brave Chef Brianna, number one. Uh, This is from Boom Studios. Uh, This is the story of a young lady named Brianna. She um, works for, um, or rather, she has a large, uh, a very large family. She's got like 10 siblings and her dad is like, guys, I'm dying. 
and you need to um whoever can open a successful restaurant gets my fortune because he's like a famous tv chef mm, okay. right so Ooh. it's like all right all right all right all right let's good 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 so she's looking she's trying to figure out which city she needs to move to because she doesn't she's not allowed to be in any of the same cities that her siblings are in and so she moves to monster city which monster is a city, city full of monsters monstrosity i know right uh-huh. it's it's uh it's just like it kind of turned in a direction that i wasn't expecting because uh, i have this bad habit of not re- reading solicits before i sign up to <laughs> review a comic <laughs> um, you don't want to know what's going on in the book well, you'll just I, figure so it out as you go honestly i've had solicitations spoil comics for me before and and sometimes i've had solicitations spoil like future issues of a comic you know, where they're like, in a world where this and this is happening, one man. And I'm like, we haven't gotten to the this and this yet. Like, we're still setting that up. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Dark Horse. Anyway. Hendrix. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, she uh, moves to the city that's full of monsters. And she opens a restaurant. But uh, nobody tells her that monsters eat different things than humans. Uh, so suddenly everything gets upended. Is she going to succeed? Is she not going to succeed? Uh, what's going to happen to our brave chef? Um, the art is really cute. Um, it, it's very appealing. The monsters are really funny and cool looking. Um, I, I'm actually, uh, really into it. The, it's like, it's bright, it's colorful, it's interesting. Um, it's cooking based i'm i'm really uh having a good time with it there's there's a couple issues where um it it seems at least when the uh everything starts that the character is depressed or has like clinically depressed or has like very very low self-esteem or some self-esteem issues and those manifest as this like creepy shadow monster that talks to her so back uh, during the first four or so pages of this book where it's like, oh, yeah, OK, I, I get it. This is like a, a, uh, a visual manifestation of somebody's insecurities. Cool. But now that I know that there are monsters in the world, I'm like, is she just like haunted by a weird monster that's always telling her that she's not good at things? It gets a little confusing. Um, but it's not a big deal. Uh, the book is really charming. Um, there is a character that shows up that always shouts everything and then yells "ah" immediately afterwards. <gasps> yeah, and like the first I time he works, is like, "I want French fries!" Ah. <laughs> um, so it's like shopping with Steven. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Go get so, some coffee. Ah! Yeah, I never. Especially say if that. Steven gets, especially if Steven gets hungry halfway through. Exactly. Um, in any case, uh, I had like this. This book was a was a charming surprise uh, it, in a, in a very real way. In that I didn't realize this is where the book was going. Um, so altogether, I'm very interested to see where it goes. Um, I'm going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, it's something that could really build up. I'm uh, looking forward to, to to reading some more. Oh, mm-hmm. and uh, the back. Uh, in the back, there's an actual recipe that uh, you can do, but I didn't uh, double check if it's like monster food or human food. Ah, also, this is the very first chalkboard cover where on the back they actually have like chalkboard stuff where you can actually draw on it with chalk and then erase it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah I have a vi- I have a digital copy, so I didn't realize that's what that was. But get, no, get some chalk cool. and draw it on your computer screen. I'm sure it'll wipe. Yeah, right I off. will. I'm gonna do that right now. Just use whiteout. It's easier. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, coming out this week from uh, DC Comics is Batman number 18, written by Tom King with art by uh, Danny Mickey uh, and David Finch. This is interesting. This is the third part of the I Am Bane series. Uh, and what's happening is Bane wants to get the psycho pirate out of um, Arkham Asylum and Batman standing in his way. This issue, for whatever reason, feels like a giant filler issue. Because Bat- uh, Bane shows up and he's like, I'm going to go into Arkham. And Batman's like, no, you're not. And so then they start fighting. And there's really only about three pages out of this entire issue that are Batman and Bane 
confronting one another in the present time of this story. The rest of it is a flashback. And I know we all love origin stories, but this is the, we get literally the origin story of Batman, uh, where we start at the death of his parents and him growing up and training. And we also get the origin of Bane from the time his mother dies and his, his upbringing in the prison. <laughs> Just remember what Bane's mother said to him right before she died. She said, um, what makes this interesting and what makes this issue bearable and what makes it really interesting is the two origins are told side by side. So if you can imagine a page with a vertical strip running down one, uh, one column is Batman, one column is Bane. You see essentially parallels between both of their stories and their actions and their origins. So there's actually a literally a panel from Batman year one where he's kicking a tree. And then we also right next to it is a panel of Bane in prison, kicking a wall. And basically they're saying the same thing. It's really fascinating way to tell this story. Um, Ashley, I do have one question. If you've read Batman number 18, I have, did you get the idea that both Batman and Bane have mommy issues? Yeah, I definitely got okay. that implication. <laughs> okay, so that is that is the big thing is that they really have mommy issues as the story progresses, and and I think that in itself uh, really sets a different tone for who Batman is. Uh, Bane, I could really care less about. But Hang on, um, I'm googling Martha Bane right now. <laughs> um, oh my god! Oh, uh, well, uh, he's uh, he's from like South America, so take right. out the H. Yeah. <laughs> Marta. <laughs> Martina Bain. So I was a little disappointed that most of the issue was just, hey, here's our origin stories and look how similar we are to one another. And they're not telling one another this. This is as they're fighting. I do love the uh, the little reveal about what's going on with Batman and Catwoman uh, behind the scenes. That's kind of nice. I love that stuff. It's I, I really did too. Good, this arc. It really is. And I like that. And I like that relationship that the two of them have. Um, and I think that those things and the interesting way that this is done is the reason why I liked this issue as much as I did. I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf out of five. If you already know the origin story of Batman and you know the origin story of Bane, then maybe you don't need to read this. But maybe if you see him side by side and see what King is doing, you'll have a better appreciation of it. Uh, I just found it a fascinating way to tell a story visually. And that's why I'm giving it uh, four to five slices, although I was really surprised at how hard hitting they were on the mommy issues thing. But uh, we'll see if by that the by, pays off. Um, did you read Batman number 17 and notice the Jason Inman Easter egg that's in there? No, I did not. That was what what, what I was missing in this because that was part <laughs> two, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, that's the one that I missed because I was like, oh, I read part one. This is part three. I missed part two and I haven't gone back to uh, dig it out yet. So I will well, go and see if, if you, Jason's in there. If you pick up number 17, there's... um. Batman is standing on a bar waiting bar top waiting for Bane and the sign that's pointing down to the bar says Inman's and uh, we know Danny Mickey. So like that's a specific to Jason Inman oh, Easter egg for anybody who's read that. There you go. <laughs> cool, cool, yeah, cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ashley, now it is up to you to tell us about Green Arrow number 18. Oh, man. Green Arrow has been so good since Rebirth. Benjamin Percy is turning it out. So... It turns out when um, stuff happens in the world that a bunch of sensitive liberal artists get upset, uh, they could make great art as a result of that. And that is what this issue is. It is completely reactionary to um, the Dakota Access Pipeline um, protests and all the events that have been going on there. It is basically your reintroduction by Ben Percy to Roy Harper for the modern age. And he, you learn that he has ties back to um, the, the native, the, you know, in the DC universe, whatever clan it is that is fighting, um, a pipeline that is going through, uh, the part of Seattle that the green arrow and company occupy. What part is and, that? Uh, go? <laughs> Seattle. Adjacent. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually Bellevue. Oh, okay. There you go. So they're around, around Bellevue. Um, Bremerton. His his race doesn't change. He's not just like miraculously this redheaded native kid. But you do learn that there was someone important in his life who was a part of this tribe and 
uh, something bad happened to him and then Roy left feeling responsible. And now he's taken the onus on himself to go back to this place that was important to him and try to stand up for the people who mean a lot to him, but maybe don't want him there. Um, and the cool thing about it is that Oliver Queen is one of the people who is there, who's someone who through the narration, you learn that Roy thinks has abandoned him and he's actually showing up as the only father figure that's left in Roy's life. Who's come to this very weird, non green arrow type conflict in order to support, uh, this sort of adopted son. There's an amazing piece of art by, uh, Eleonora Carlini. I'm sorry for not pronouncing your Italian name correctly. Um, where Ollie is on a horse because a lot of the natives are there ceremonially um, mounted on horses and the horse rears up and it's like a total amazing Robin Hood pose. But the entire issue is just Roy dealing with his feelings and trying to make amends for some crappy decisions he made when he was a kid and when he was a young man. And uh, considering some of the weird things that he's been up to in the outsiders or the red hood and the outsiders or outlaws, I'm sorry, the outlaw storyline. It's really nice to see the character, uh, get some grounding and return to some of the humanity that has been really integral to his character. I, I think for as long as he's been around, not just the, the jokey jokey stuff, which is great. Um, but it's complete absence from this issue. I don't think makes it feel lost. So for being a Green Arrow issue, it's actually about Roy Harper. Uh, but if you're like me and you like Roy better than Ollie anyway, that's great. Uh, this is a fabulous issue. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's nice to see that we can use um, a very pulpy contemporary art form to deal with some really important stuff that's going on. So four out of the five slices of meatloaf for being wonderful. Very cool. Uh, three ah. out of those four reviews are out this week from their respective publishers. Uh, of course, you can check out more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget to go visit your local comic shop. If you have one in your area, Wednesday's new comic book day. That's the Heck best yeah. day of the week to go and check out your LCS. Uh, now that the uh, reviews are done, let us jump into the Major Spoilers Poll the of the Week. Poll of the Week, 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 week. All important question. Which publisher <sighs> do you read the most? Which publisher do you read the most? Rodrigo? I, it's probably Dark Horse, um, just because they've pretty much uh, pumped a steady stream of Hellboy out, and mm -hmm. I try to pick up uh, as much as possible. Um, also, every once in a while, I look in Dark Horse Presents, and I like that Resident Alien, and I'm pretty turned off uh, by the big two, largely due to stuff like what we're going to review later. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew, what about you? I had to choose other because I actually did the numbers and I don't really have a clear favorite. If I look at February, I read more actual books from DC, but if I look at page counts and actual amount of stuff read, it's all over the place. I mean, I, I'm really kind of enjoying the stuff that IDW is doing with all of the Hasbro properties and of course, you know, the boom stuff is entertaining to me and I do have some Marvel and DC books that I follow and some that I force myself to read because, well, I do it for you, faithful spoilerites. I do it for you, knocking years off my life. So I didn't really feel like there was an easy way for me to pick one, but yeah, I chose other. If you're, if you're looking for just number of books and the number, the answer is DC. Okay. Uh, for me, it is uh, dynamite entertainment. I read basically everything that they put out. Uh, it comes our way. I sit down and I read it and I enjoy a lot of it. Um, but I certainly read, if you're looking at a percentage wise of how many books that DC puts out that I read or Marvel puts out that I read compared to percentage of, uh, of dynamite entertainment books that I read, certainly I'm reading more dynamite than anything else. So for it's me, like it's nine to one, just Conan alone. Well, Conan is a dark horse. Um, dynamite oh. would dynamite would have all of your pulp hero stuff, which is the main reason oh, why I read most shadows, of your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah your shadows, your, your Doc Savage, your uh, your Flash Red Gordon. Sonya, mm -hmm, Red Sonya, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I, if I were to pick a second most read, it would probably be DC in that category. Ashley, what about you? Well, if you're looking at page counts this month. It was the Faye Wins webcomic that I read 10 years worth of content <laughs> of um, in a weekend. <laughs> um, week to week, it's probably DC. I'm reading more Rebirth now than I've ever read 
But uh, given the content of the Geek History Lesson podcast this month, I've also mm-hmm. read a ton of specifically Wolverine stories because it's kind of like Logan month um, over on that show. Yeah, it turns out Death of Wolverine is actually a really good story, even though it's a really dumb idea. So definitely go check that out. Well done, Charles Soule and Steve McNiven. Um, but I normally just say DC because that's easy. And then fight it's with people about it. Yeah. yeah, it's only only two whole letters. <laughs> Followed by IDW. Uh, let's see. We have, I read the most of Marvel because I subscribe to the uh, Marvel digital uh, service. If any other publisher offered a similar service, I would be all over that. Uh, at the moment, it's Dark Horse is another. Image lo- Image Comics does, but yep. no one uses it. <laughs> uh, I only read uh, one comic book, Rat Queen, so that has to be Image Comics for me. Don't forget the reboot comes out this week. Um, uh, Burning Dragon Bread says, I tend to read more DC, but it's more a matter of availability and limited budget. Uh, Lizzie says, I have a lot of DC, but mostly it's just for Hanna-Barbera comics. Uh, Doug says, a bit of DC and Marvel, but mostly Boom and IDW. Um, blah, blah, blah. It looks like Image Books more than any other publisher. And it looks like Image says uh, Waldo. Uh, f- so it looks like a lot of people are big into the Image indie stuff. I like the comment that... Um, that Daniel says, it doesn't feel like I'm reading a publisher's output when he reads um, uh, Image. It feels like I'm reading a creator's output. And since Image yeah. is creator-owned, that makes a lot of sense. That is yep. correct. <laughs> yep. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people would be surprised at, um, you know, if you're, if you're into comics, if you're reading comics, then you go to your uh, um, comic book store or whatever, just in Comixology, you'd be surprised at what properties are owned by what studios, because Mm -hmm. aside from Marvel and DC, usually they don't make a big deal of, you know, unless there's a crazy crossover like Mars Attacks or whatever. Right. um, They usually don't make it a point to be like, here's another image comic. Here's another Dark Horse comic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more like, here's the next saga. Here's the next Hellboy. Here's the next, you know, uh, sex criminals. Right, 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 right. Now, the interesting thing is when I put this poll together this week, I went from the uh, market share data for January of, of uh, 2017. So if you look at it where it lists Marvel as, as your first choice, that's because they sold the most books or had the biggest part of the market share in January 2017. And then it just went down from there. Interestingly, as the poll stands right now, DC is ahead of Marvel in that. But the rest yeah. of them kind of fall in line with with their market share. So Matthew, how does the poll of the week stand as of this recording? As of right this very second, DC is in the lead with 35% of the vote. Marvel, uh, close second with 29%, but their books cost more, so it may even out. Uh, 16% image comics, 6% each for IDW and Dark Horse, two for Boom, two for Dynamite, 4% for other, some people voting with me. And then, you know, people out there who may read all the Action Lab titles. Yeah, you know, there's no way that I was gonna, going to put everyone in there. Uh, I just went by <laughs> yeah. the tops yeah, because, be- you know, if if it were, um, you know, there may be a lot of people in the other category that are just like, I love the new uh, Archie line that they have going. And so I read only right. Archie or I only read Action Lab because they have the the Stellar Cats of Stellar City or whatever that is. Because that's where is. Jupiter Jet is going to be. That's awesome. Right. There you go. Some <laughs> people yeah, may be just. is. Some people may just be reading Alterna, or some people may be reading only Crossed. Uh, or only so, Xenoscope. Yeah, only Xenoscope you know. Are you what, threatening me? What's that? Sure, we you might if we can. Word. We are getting very close to our uh, Patreon goal. of uh, we, we are less so than $400 away. We need $400 per month so we can hit our next goal where Matthew writes a monthly article for our Patreon and VIP subscribers called Why Do You Hate Me? where he will review horrible comics, including Old Man Logan, Dark Knight 2, maybe Crossed? We'll have to see. Maybe not. It's all part <laughs> of Why Do You Hate Me? I year old and I can't have those comics in my house or I go on a special list. We have less than $400 to go, and you can make it. You can help us get there by heading over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, I'm and glad if you, you found a way to monetize my misery after a decade. <laughs> oh, that's only the start. We're into decade <laughs> two of Major Spoilers. <laughs> Just you wait. Um, you can head over to Major Spoilers, listeners, and you can vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. I'm genuinely interested in what people uh, read, what your, what uh, publisher you read more. This is not a, well, Marvel is better, so therefore I voted for them. It's <laughs> not that. It's simply what are the books that you are reading the most, About, most oh. of. And, and sometimes it's really interesting when you sit and think about it for a second. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, and 
Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, well, that, and that's the other thing is that, again, there's like this rivalry, Marvel, DC, Marvel, DC, maybe with Image a little bit, you know, like kicking, kicking at the shins or something. But once you get past that, it's like nobody's like, well, I'm an IDW man, you know, like uh, people would I, be like that. <laughs> I, I guess maybe some people are like that, yeah. but uh, I, I don't know. I've never I've never met anywhere. Uh, I guess so. Uh, some of the there are uh, some publishers only do have their the Star reputation. Trek comics. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's an IDW that's, joint. That is a they are following that property. IDW hasn't always had Star Trek stuff. If that's true. Somebody, if they lost that property, would they follow the property to Image or Dark Horse or whoever? Well, yeah, because they're or, with the Fairweather Star Wars comics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah, the same deal. Right Horse. over to Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yep, poor Dark Horse. Oh well. Twenty-two years they had those books. Well, and, and then Marvel said, well, we want them back. And again, you can look and see where they rank. I mean, they are um, they are number five in that list, and they used to be the solid number three. But since uh, Star Wars has gone away, they've really jumped down. And IDW, as Ashley said, has Star Trek. They have the As- Hasbro properties. Uh, Image well, Comics honestly, has all the mature reader books. It, it, it probably wasn't as impactful, but the same thing happened to Boom, who had all those Disney licenses. They did. That's You're true. right, because when they had that, I remember Boom was making a big push to break into that top five on a regular basis. And then as soon as Disney yanked them away, they dropped back down again. They had that cool Darkwing Duck series. They did. They really did. Yeah. All right. Poll of the week. Majorspoilers.com. Uh <sighs> So we've got a Logan movie coming out this week that I'm really looking forward to to seeing. I really am. I am excited about this movie. Can't wait. And so I said, hey, Matthew, we need to read a Wolverine book because we've got this movie coming out. <laughs> Matthew suggested Wolverine Evolution. I was like, all right, I'll trust Matthew, I guess. I mean, he kind of threw us under the bus the last time he made a suggestion. Certainly he that wouldn't do it two times true. in a row. How dare you, sir? What are what are you speaking of? And you gave us Wolverine Evolution. Collecting well, Wolverine number 50 through 55, the biggest and the best and quite possibly the last battle between Wolverine and Sabretooth. It wasn't the last. It wasn't the best. Uh, also, in the case of my choice of the Batman stories, that was one thing. This was actually me inflicting my misery upon all y'all because I, I actually read this book when it came out. And I swear to you, the brain cells that were lost were lost for, for no reason. And it so makes bottom me line listeners. Matthew is evil. I, I could find, well, maybe you guys, can, but I could find nothing of interest in this, uh, six issue arc. Now, the one thing that we do get, and it's, if you've listened to geek history lesson, uh, part one, and I, I'm sure yeah. it's covered over into part two, although I'm about a week behind on everything. Uh, one thing that Ashley and Jason talk about in that episode is how all of Wolverine's love interests just keep getting killed again and again and again. I think I bring it up like six or seven Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and we, if, if you want to see all of Wolverine's love interests get killed, then you want to just read Wolverine Evolution because uh, his first wife Correct. gets killed. <laughs> uh, you know, every time he tries to get it on with somebody, Sabretooth comes in and rips them and rapes them. And that is the end of them. This is the arc that brings up the controversial, and by controversial, I mean rock F-word stupid theory that Sabretooth and Wolverine, or as I like to think of them, Sabrine and Wolvertooth, are in fact immortals of a group called the Lupin, and that they have been fighting each other historically for centuries and centuries since time immemorial, and they're called the Lupin, and they're named after wolves, even though Sabretooth is a tiger, and Wolverine is a mustelid, and Feral, who shows up in here, is some sort of kitty cat. And don't forget They're Sasquatch. All called Lupins. Yeah, Sasquatch, because, you know, Sasquatch makes perfect sense. Sasquatch getting his power from a combination of gamma radiation and an ancient beast of Canadian lore makes perfect sense that he's part of this asinine plot point. Your, your derision is coming through there. Oh, so my word. The implication, although we it never spells out in this issue because apparently there's another volume you have to be forced to read, that they no. are the, uh, what, Remus and Romulus, the... Uh, the uh, yes, and there's a guy named Romulus who's controlled everything, right. and blah, blah, blah. And Romulus is an immortal who manipulates people and lights things on fire and makes Wild Child get a dumb haircut. And 
all of these things that he did. And then, of course, this also features the greatest cameo appearance I have ever seen in comics. Cyclops. Denying Wolverine a sword. No neck Cyclops. Why are you here? And Wolverine thinking, this is my friend Cyclops. He's totally a douchebag. And I'm, in a lot of ways, I understand where this writing comes from. This is the worst urges of someone who loves Wolverine so much that he wants Wolverine to be the best and the, the greatest and the oldest and the most powerful and the coolest and the one who can call Cyclops a douchebag. And from that perspective, you can see kind of where this story comes from. But at the point when the brain dead Sabretooth is taking his arm and trying to put it back on the stump and you can just hear the thump, thump, thump sound effect. It's, it's, it's just so wrong. So, so it's pretty clear that Matthew and I don't enjoy this. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you think about uh, Wolverine evolution? Uh, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, what, what, yeah, what was the wor- what was the worst part of this of this volume? <laughs> oh man, the worst part of this bo- volume. That's pretty difficult, really. You know, in probably in, in a very you know workman kind of way. Uh, the worst part about it is that it's boring. Yeah, uh, yes, I think that was the but, thing that I was most disappointed in. As far as plot stuff, I, I think it's the worst part about it is that I, I want to say 10 years before this comic was written, we had this plot because somebody decided that all of the wolfy mutants should be part of this offshoot thing or not be mutants and be actual werewolves, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's actually, that was actually written into like X-Force comics or something like that, Um and it's weird that somebody said, you know, that thing, you know, that stupid thing that makes no sense. Let's push that all the way to the fore and tie our most popular character, uh, like the most popular X-Men character, maybe not counting Deadpool nowadays, like to this ridiculous idea that uh, of X-Men werewolves. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Ashley, you know, forget about a homo sapiens. It's all about the homo lupus. Yeah. I mean, I could get on board with your homo superior, but the homo lupins just, no, no. The worst crime, and Rodrigo, as I was already nailed on the head, that this story commits is that it's boring. Like, yeah. Wolverine is essentially an action hero, and even the action in this story can't, save the absolute stupidity that is the conceit of the narrative (laughs) and the thing that's really frustrating is simone bianchi can draw he has some real drafting skills but there's no storytelling or continuity so it gets to a point where it's some of these books were reprinted in black and white so you could just look at the beautiful art which is really the only thing they're good for because each beautiful image bears no tie to what's yeah, coming no. next. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just, oh my word. But there is a scene where Emma Frost is reading uh, Wolverine's mind and then vomits profusely. And I'm like, oh, well, that was, that was kind of pretty. It didn't make sense necessarily, but it was four really good-looking images. I, I guess the thing that is so infuriating about this is that how many times has Wolverine quote unquote died before like this 18. series? <laughs> right? And every and, seven. And we never, as far as I know, maybe they've, they've done flashbacks before. But uh, my goodness, he's fighting Sabretooth, and Sabretooth is like, I'm going to rip your heart out. Go ahead. Rips his heart out. Oh, I'm having a flashback to my previous life. <laughs> and I'm running in the jungle. And this is the way it's always been. It's like, ah, da, da, da. suddenly. He gets killed 17 times in these six issues. And right. each time we're discovering more and more and more and more and more things that we've never knew, knew about Wolverine before. It's just ridiculous. It's just like, but they make, if they could appoint, who is this Jeff Loeb writing this? Yes. If there could, I mean, maybe he should focus on one thing. And you should literally only write Batman stories. <laughs> no, you shouldn't do that. He should focus on, <laughs> on not writing. 
maybe helping well, he's other doing Marvel to television. Write their I will story. not hear you speak poorly of <clears throat> Dark Victory. Okay. Interesting. That's an interesting uh, hill to that is stand a on, <laughs> really dangerous place you know to what? start fight, especially I'm, to start fighting me. Yeah, no, no judgment there, but I'm just saying. Um, yeah, you know, probably one of the like. Here's the thing: there's something that is very tight, actually, about the X-Men mythos. All the X-Men, all of these guys, get their powers from the same place, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and it both a meteorite. Yes, <laughs> yes. The, they they were all dinosaurs that were hit by that meteorite, and then they became very attractive people. Um, so anyway, all mutants have the same origin, and that both uh, uh, contains the universe and gives it certain avenues that it can go down. There are ways around it. You know, the X-Men spend half their time in space anyway fighting the Shi'ar or whoever, um, or hanging out with them. So, you know, there, there's, there's ways around it, but there's this thing that, that having that sort of common origin creates, and it does create some limits, which are good for creativity. You know, we can expand and contract it. We can say, okay, now there are eight bajillion mutants. And as of this story, you know, it's like uh, now there are 200 mutants, right? And it's like that'll give you different stories. And it's something that you can play around with, you know, even sort of like weird ideas that seem bad at the time. You think back and I was like, OK, well, this was something that they could work with, like X Corp and things like that. Right. <laughs> um, but it's like, all right, all right. They were trying things within this formula. The problem is when they try to get away from the structure, not even the formula, but the structure, right? This idea that now basically Wolverine isn't even a mutant. Right. And it's like, if Wolverine isn't even a mutant, why is he with the X-Men? It's like Spider-Man has met the X-Men, but he doesn't hang out with the X-Men all the time because he's not an X character. Same thing with Captain America, same thing with the Avengers, maybe with the exception of the Beast. Because um, the X-Men should be in their own closed universe. <laughs> well, and they should. And, and that's fine. And even as part of the Marvel Universe, the X-Men resist the rest of the Marvel Universe because they have their own stuff going on. Even before sort of like the Shadow Mandate came down to separate the X-Men, um, that had kind of always been the case. And this is a story... And I think the X-Men have that social contract with all of us that read the X-Men. Um, and this book is so bad that uh, that revulsion that I think we all have for it is because it violates that. Because it yeah. says, you know, all those things that were true about the X-Men? <laughs> think again, idiot. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking online. is actually a dog. I'm looking online and <laughs> I am seeing aggregate reviews that this is a three-star book. That this is a three-star well, series. And you I'm have just, to I'm, understand how I'm the internet kind of, works. I'm kind of bothered Five by that. Five stars is great. Four stars is bad. Three stars or below is execrable. And you should just run away. And also, you have to take into account, there are people who love this. There are people who, to this day, I could find you a couple of guys in Topeka who will argue this as the pinnacle of Wolverine storytelling. And that's the great thing about comics. You can be that wrong, that stupid, and you know, still... I don't know. Uh, buy comics. You can still find your tribe. That exactly. that's actually nice. It is. Everybody nice. <laughs> has their shtick, and even if something is this counterintuitive, this poorly conceived, this bad—I'm going to say bad. Yeah, somebody might love it, and that I think is partly the magic of comics and. Partly why it's so much fun for you guys to be tortured by this book, too. I, I, it's, I, it's, I don't think so. Um, I, it's I, really. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just I can understand people being like diehard Wolverine fans. What are they called? Wolvies? God, I hope not. I Wolverine. Called no. Wolverines. <laughs> if you say Wolvie to me, I will find you. And they're I will called cut they're you. called Loganoids. Loganoids. Oh, Loganoids called... versus Wolver Wolvies. Okay. 
That's I understand. Whole of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand that there are people who love this character that much that they'll, you know, go into that dark tunnel and hopefully emerge on the other side with this series. And that's perfectly <laughs> fine. If there's somebody who wants to go and do that, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, I, hey, I've stuck with Batman and there are some pretty awful Batman stories out there. Okay. But I will admit that those are horrible stories. You're not going to see me sit there and go, oh, this is the greatest Batman story ever. So that's the part that really confuses me is that there are people that are that willing to say it doesn't matter. It's Wolverine. It's five stars. But like you said, Matthew, maybe it's just the Internet. And I think uh, it's a little bit of I think it's a little bit of of both. It's so there's some people who are like this sure was a Wolverine comic five stars. I love Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who thought this was a good idea and, you know, I, I, it might be, I might be a jerk for being like, maybe this was their first, everything, you know, is wrong story. Um, be. because you know, the first time that you read and everything, you know, is wrong story, it just blows your mind and you're like, this was amazing. I never thought that this character was secretly, uh, immortal dog um there's but, but there's nothing but there's nothing in this story that i mean they spell well, it out on page one so they don't even get to the part where it's mind-shattering stuff it's like by the time storm and and uh black panther show up they're kind of like oh yeah here's some that bones the that we worst. found the, the first time you get it and again it's just like not only is it like a bad story it's like badly executed on top yeah. of that yeah. Um, because the first time somebody actually phrases it is like in a recap. Yeah. Right. It's like no one ever says, by the way, that guy was me. That other guy is Sabretooth. It's all kind of generally implied and you don't know what's going on. But the first time somebody solidly says, I guess we're both immortal dogs from the dawn of time. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's in a recap. Yeah. Nobody comes down and says, Wolverine, have you considered that maybe you and like maybe you and that other guy are immortal dogs from the dawn of time? And he's like, oh, my God, that must be what those dreams are about. No, that doesn't happen. It's if it was basically that way, it would have been better. It's like it, it would have like been. It being re- it's like it being revealed in the letters column. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, immortal that's... dogs from the dawn of time. Sounds if... like a really great Emerson Lake and Palmer album. Yeah. <laughs> If this if this were if it were revealed that way that, hey, you know, instead of this goofiness that is revealed on on literally the first page of the book. Right. If there had been some mystery behind this, maybe, as Ashley said, it would have been a much better book to read. But this is I'm I'm sorry. Bottom line for me is the art is is okay. I'm not I I'm not a big fan of of I like the style. I don't like the coloring of this book. Um But the story is horrible. And and bottom line for me is don't don't buy this book. Just stay away from it. And this can go down as one of those one of those books that uh, someone tries to push on you on a late on a Saturday night when you're alone in a bar. And they're like, hey, man, how about you try some Wolverine evolution? Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, you're trying to find something to go home with and someone tries to shove Wolverine evolution on you. Just say no and run. So, well, and there are there are books that you read because they're good. And there are books that you read because you like them. And there are books that are so bad that they're good. But this is a book that kind of fails on all cylinders because the concept is problematic. And, you know, when I say problematic, I mean the concept is stupid. It's it's really dumb. But it's actually executed in a way that makes the dumbness so much more worse is much more worse even a thing. And then, to add insult to injury, it's put together with art that is super keen, awesome, panel to panel, but doesn't actually tell a story. And then the story that we get is strung out in such a weird manner that it's it's that joke from a five-year-old where you have to start over and tell it all again. So yeah, this is not a book that you want to read. This is not a book that anyone should ever have to read. And, you know, except for my colleagues here who are mean to me on occasion. And sometimes I just have to, you know, take out my rage on them I, secretly. I, I made you guys read X-Men Supernova. So, uh, 
That what, was pretty bad. What, what, what is your final thought the there, next Rodrigo? Movie, by the way, is it really? Yeah. Yes, the next movie is called X Men Supernova. Oh man, on an X Men Supernova. Rodrigo, what's your bottom line on this? Oh man, my bottom line on this is that it is very difficult to execute a proper retcon. And it's like the higher the stakes, the more difficult it is. And this is Wolverine. You know, it's like as far as Marvel Comics, at least for a long time, Wolverine was the big show. Um, So it's just it just like flops that much harder. I will say that um, I personally I'm very resistant to retcons. Like a retcon has to be absolutely perfect for me to like it. So if you would like to know how I felt during the War of Light, pick up. Uh, this book, <laughs> Pick Up Wolverine Evolution. <laughs> Ashley, we're giving you the final say on Wolverine Evolution this week. Run, run away now, run away fast. There you go. I think that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening and being part of the major spoilers experience. And if you rushed out and picked up Wolverine Evolution because you heard we were uh, going to review it, I'm so, so sorry. But hey, we'll be Unless back next week. It, at which point, you know, that was fun. Well, I'm still so, so sorry. Uh, the good news is we will be back next week because we know that you love comics. We do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.